I seen his eyes and asked Mr. Ashley as big as saucers a time or two. Yeah, he messed around and asked the wrong question at least once. <laughs> yeah, I told him we was thinking about going to Branson and opening up our own show. <laughs> All our stories is true. Yeah, glory to God. I well, sure enjoyed being with you this morning and was uh, so appreciative of the folk that slipped over here from around home and surprised us and uh, got to talking to the fellow back here and, and uh, he knows right where our place is over there around Axton County, so that's interesting. So, I mean, he zeroed it right in. He asked a couple of questions and I was like, yeah, I know that, yeah, yeah, so there you go. But, uh, let's pray. I want to be mindful of your time, but I want to get something over to you as well. Is that all right? Let's pray and get after it. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. Lord, it's such a privilege to stand before these people, although to impart truth. So, Father, we ask the Holy Spirit, the revealer of truth, to live big on the inside of us and give us utterance tonight, bold and clear. And I thank you this people has ears to hear. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. I want to pick up with that same thought process we were wrestling with this morning and kind of flip that coin over and turn that rock over, look at it a little different aspect. I'll do a little bit of review just to kind of gather us all up in our thinking. But we were looking in Ephesians. Paul does, in my opinion, in, in the book of Ephesians, Probably the best, presents us with the best well-rounded picture, uh, all-encompassing, the greatest uh, orb of perspective of the Christian life. And it's summed up in three words, sit, walk, stand. And so we wrestled with that this morning, and And we saw that how those three truths, those three postures, those three perspectives uh, are really held in tension with each other. But it's within that tension that we live this thing out in reality. And and I want to reiterate what I said to you just to kind of dial it back in. And I said this to you, that sitting, thinking about the seated position, the sitting position, it's where we see, and what we see is where we see, and it's where we receive. We're all excited about receiving, right? Sitting, that aspect of our Christian life, is all about our inheritance. It's all about the stability and the rootedness and the groundedness of our Christian life. But then Paul presents us with... Walking, that analogy, it's there that we witness, and it's there that we work. Walking is where we're introduced to the idea of process as being part of the Christian life. Have you ever thought about it that even healing, you study the Gospels, you know, sometimes it was instantaneous in the life, in the ministry of Jesus, and sometimes it was a process. You know, but we, we, we think we get to decide. And if it doesn't suit us, 
then we just throw in the towel and quit on it. Get offended and fall out with God and the preacher and everybody else. Right? Process. Walking is where the integrity of our Christian life is exposed. It's where the vulnerability of our Christian life is exposed. Walking out the truths that we learned and we saw while we sat is where the fruitfulness of the Christian life is borne out. And then Paul presents us with the idea and the perspective of standing. And I told you this morning that if you know, sitting we see, standing we seize. It's not about process anymore, it's about conquest. It's about the durability of our Christian life. I mean, can you last? You know, I mean, I was thinking, <laughs> that's usually not good. But. Thinking about Jerry Lee Lewis. He just come floating through my mind. Right up in here in church. Jerry Lee Lewis. <laughs> I mean, you remember the old song Jerry Lee Lewis used to sing about the haunted house. He said that one-eyed monster with two big feet come sliding right up to me. <laughs> huh? said, what are you doing here, boy? Huh? And nobody heard that song but me? <laughs> I'm talking, I'm taking you way back now. He said, what are you doing here, boy? And he says, I own this house. And I'm the boss. Ain't no haint going to run me off. I'll be right here when the morning comes. <laughs> Ain't no haint going to run me off. Sometimes we got to have that kind of an attitude like Jerry Lee. <laughs> you know, kind of like, you know, I think I, the students at Raymond, they got tickled some of them. I use, how many ever watch Fox News? Come on, tell the truth. Let me find my people in here. Come on. Where's my conservatives? <laughs> and me, watch Waters World. Come on. What does he say? Ah, come on. Talk to me. This is my world, and you're in it. <laughs> Sometimes you have to do the devil that way. Come on, Mr. Devil. This is my world, and you're in it. I own this house, and I'm the boss. You ain't going to run me off. I'll be right here when the morning comes. You can rattle them chains and you can say all you want to. I'll still be here. Amen. <laughs> well, anyway. It's true and I ain't taking it back. <laughs> yeah. I bet Jerry Lee never thought he'd be preaching that in church. <laughs> I told you this morning, and I, I want to get in new territory here pretty quick. Sitting... Our position is far above. We gain that perspective in Christ. And we looked at all these verses in Ephesians this morning. I encourage you to go back and look at them for yourself. Walking, that aspect, our walk then has to be consistent with what we've seen of being in Christ. And we get up and start walking that out. What we walk and how we live has to be consistent with what we've seen. Amen? Or else you're a liar. I'm just sorry. Ain't no other prettier way to say it. You're a hypocrite. Huh? 
you're in the same group as Poppy put the chicken men. All liars are chicken men. All chicken men are liars. Yeah. And when we went out to hog business and built more chicken houses, he said, you know, pardon me, by God, you're going to regret it. Hogs is the mortgage lifter. All liars are chicken men. All chicken men are liars. That still rolls over and over on a re- repeat in my mind. I'm not sure what good it is, but anyway, maybe it'll help you. Uh, <laughs> walking. <laughs> and I talked to you this morning. I said, standing. Our standing then is sure. I didn't have time to get into it this morning. Probably won't have time tonight, though I'd like to. You know, you, when you start begin to look at that Roman soldier uh, uh, armor, I mean, them spikes on them shoes, I mean, it, it you know, and you, when you really think about that, I mean, what what is that? That's our understanding. What I gained at the seat, it enables me to stand when it's time to fight. All that stuff that we're told to put on, where did it come from? It was forged at the seat. Glory to God. And so, I said this to you, sitting has to do with our liberty. Walking has to do with our consistency and responsibility. Standing is all about victory. Sitting has to do with inheritance, resting, and receiving. Walking has to do with process, with working and maintaining. Why don't we, I mean, we like stuff, new stuff, but how many of them likes to maintain anything? Huh? Standing, again, conquest, fighting, as do obtaining. And I told you this morning, you know, Paul's emphasis there based on the way he lays that out in those chapters, 3, 2, 1. He places three, three times as much emphasis on sitting as he does standing. And he places twice as much emphasis on walking as he does standing. So if we get that emphasis right on how we understand all this and walk this out and work this out, we'll have it right. If we're all about fighting, we've misunderstood. If we're all about sitting, we've misunderstood. There's a proper way that this works in our life, to be balanced. Now then, I said this to you also in a measure, improper emphasis of um, any of these um, truths gets us into Weird doctrine and weird experience. And here's where I want to take you tonight. It can get you stuck in the season. I find that we don't miss God as much as we miss His timing. I find we can understand principles and not understand Seasons and timing. I think we wrestle with that more and miss that more often than we realize. And something we need to understand about time. And about seasons. Let me say this, and I hope it doesn't just totally blow your circuits. 
But in God, time isn't just linear. Not just a straight line. It's it's circular. I mean, the Hebrew mindset of time is that way. I kind of I kind of think God thinks that way. And all you got to do is look at nature. You got four seasons, and they cycle around every year. Duh. And so we cycle our way forward. Well, then that tells me there's hope. If I miss it, I ain't missed it forever. I'll just stay with the program. Don't throw in the towel. Let's cycle this thing back around. Right? So then, sitting, zeroing back into where we was at this morning, sitting, being all about our inheritance and who we are in Christ. But how many know there are things that we'll never step into until we start walking? Until we start walking out what we believe. And it's in the process. We don't just find out who we are. We find out who He is in us. And then there are other things that we'll never possess unless we stand and fight for them. Go to Ephesians real quick, the first chapter. Again with me. I'm going to start reading. I'm going to just start with verse 1. Paul here, you got to remember, is writing this from prison. Ephesians 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are to art Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Can you see the, even in the King James, it comes out better in some other translations, but can you see there, even in the King James, the upbeat nature of that language? I mean, right out of the chute. I mean, he is full of exuberance, and he's happy. And he wants to spill this out on them from prison. I mean, in essence, you know, you could, you could, you could pull back and think of it in this fashion. In essence, Paul says, you can imprison my body. You can shackle my feet. 
and restrict my visitation. Hmm? But you cannot incarcerate my joy, fetter my blessing, or steal my inheritance. I own this house and I'm the boss. Ain't no Hank going to run me off. Yet I find it interesting that many of us in our 21st century comfort, come on, fail to recognize that our heavenly seat supersedes our earthly circumstances. Look at chapter 2, verse 6 again. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. Happiness is an inside job. The kingdom around me does not have the power to overcome the kingdom within me. See, never allow your circumstance to dictate your stance. My stance is dictated by my seating, not by what's happening around me. I'm going somewhere here, so just hang on. You do not always have power over what happens to you. I don't mean we're just helpless to the whims of the devil and everybody, but I mean, you know, you know, stuff enters our life for any number of reasons. Choice and chance and circumstance. I mean, you know, we make choices every day. Some of them's good and some of them's right and some of them ain't. I mean, other people make choices too. I mean, you know, when some people close to you make bad choices, you feel pressure because you get affected. Hmm? I mean, you know, some things, whether you want to, whether it, I'm sorry, if it messes with your theology, you know, whoopity-doo. Some things just happen by chance. It weren't the devil or your grandma or your mother-in-law or, hmm? I mean, you know, if I walk out the door here in a few minutes and a frozen toilet falls out of one of these 747s. It weren't the devil. There weren't some wicked spirit in high places that throwed a, t- t- a commode out on me. I know how they had have, have this meeting, a bunch of demons. I know how we can get Tony. We'll, we'll kill him with a... T- no, some screw work loose somewhere and it just happened. Hmm? And circumstances. And we live in a fallen world. But we're not just open to the whims of stuff. We are protected. So I don't just, just, I don't just respond, you know, just, just any old way to whatever's coming. Hmm? I'm a thermostat, not a thermometer. I own this house and I'm the boss. Ain't no hand going to run me off. So you don't always have power over what happens to you, but you do have complete control over what happens in you. So what? Somebody wronged you. 
Get over it. Well, you don't understand what they did to me. I kid you not. I had somebody call me on the phone the other day at Rama, one of our alumni, and they wallered on on the phone for 30 minutes. And when I finally got them around to asking the question, when did this happen? It was 10 years ago. And it was as much sweetness as I could muster. I said, you need to get over that. And move on. The reason I spend so much time there, hopefully there was a reason, is that as we navigate our way through life, we must, of a necessity, Allow God's Word, hear me clearly and carefully, and His voice to determine our stance in any given circumstance or season. Or else we're just judging everything about how we act and react by what's going on exterior. I said his word and his voice. I'll explain that in a moment. Let me say this to you. A change in circumstances doesn't necessarily mean a change in seasons. I mean, some of us, you know, because we're not listening to God, the moment we feel a little bit of pressure, we judge the seasons changed. How many of you know about uh, uh, the prophet and the brook and the ravens and all of that business? Well, you know, I had seemed like the Lord said this to me, using that as an analogy. Don't assume that. The brook has dried up just because you're experiencing personal dryness. I mean, you could be sitting right up in the middle of this church, water running free, yet you dry. Well, whose fault's that? Hmm? Oh, well, you know, the season's changing, brother. I'm just supposed to go somewhere else. Why there's water. You waist deep now. Drink. Hmm? Ecclesiastes three one, you can jot it down. To everything there's a season. And a time to every purpose under heaven. We know that, but slow down. Seem like the verses we know, we just speed read past them. To everything, there's a season. Earthly things have seasons. And a time, it says, 
to every purpose under heaven. So earthly things have seasons and heavenly purposes have times. In First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, the first portion of that verse says, And of the children of Issachar, that's one of the tribes of Israel, and of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. So, I learned from these, these two scriptures that earthly things have seasons and heavenly purposes have times. And here was this tribe of Israelites, spiritually dead people, under the old covenant, that were walking close enough with God that they could discern not only what they were supposed to do, but what the whole nation was supposed to do. And we're under a better covenant. And so we ought to be able to discern. Yet most of the churches we just witnessed in this last election was just as flipped out as the world was over who to vote for and what to do. Come on. Seasons and time. We don't have the ability to determine the season. Wouldn't that be dandy? I mean, I know some of you might like summertime better. You know, you'd just be perpetual at the beach 12 months out of the year. You know, if I could go back to farming, it'd be fall 12 months out of the year. I'd live on a combine. Yeah. Either be picking peanuts or I'd be done and be cutting beans for somebody else. Because I was always the best. Because I was done out of my, forget about what we, our stuff's done, the check's in the bank. And now I'm going to go tend to somebody else's stuff. And I ain't got to worry with it. Just, just bring me a truck. <laughs> That's exactly right. One year I started, I think it was right, the last year, 96, before I left to go to Rama, I started cutting beans at the house. Moved on over into Barron County. And by the time I got done uh, and headed out to try to head towards home, uh, I had started out of Lapa Hall, headed toward Lenox. I finally worked my way out to 82. Nearly to, I was nearly at Tifton. And I had to get back to Coochie. I thought, boy, every, every customer kept, kept getting further from home. <laughs> but the money was good, and I liked being out of the way. So anyway, glory to God. But no, we don't get to decide. I mean, how many know we're faith people? This is anchor faith church. We believe in confession. You can go out there and, you know, in the wintertime and stand in your bathing suit and confess summertime all you want to. <laughs> it ain't happening, baby. They finally come along one in rubber trucks and a rubber suit and take you some to a rubber room. Hmm? No, we don't get to, we don't get to determine the season or dictate the season. But we do have the ability, and more importantly, the responsibility to discern the season and act accordingly as God's people. Back to His Word and His voice. We can't afford to live By our natural senses. 
as people of God. And, okay, you like that, you might not like this one so good. And, we can't afford to live by a set of really good principles we've learned from Scripture alone. We have to live by His voice. Think of it like this. His doctrine is instruction. Let me know the doctrines of this book are immutable, they're unchangeable. But hey, let me know there's not a verse in here that says, you know, Mr. Murphy, you're to build a new cotton gin in Willacoochee. Hmm? Ain't in there, is it? You're kind of glad of that, too, ain't you? <laughs> ain't in there. Now, his instructions will never run cross-grain of his principles and his doctrine. But if I'm going to stay in step and stay in sync... I've got to hear his voice. I've got to know what to do with this. And where to go. Are you with me? His voice lets us know what season we're in. And how to respond in any circumstance. Seems like I'm taking the long way around, but I really am trying to get somewhere. I'm going to say something to you now I said this morning. I'm going to say it different. Advancements in the kingdom of God are made in one of three ways. And now I want to unpack them. Advancements in the kingdom of God are made in one of three ways. Number one, inheritance. Go to, go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. You know, while you're turning there, I'll, I'll give you this. Works, works just as good here to help you understand some of this, what I'm talking about, about staying with the voice of God. You know, in Proverbs 4, Solomon talks about how he was taught by his daddy the importance of gaining wisdom and understanding. Right? And we know that he had that experience with God at Gibeon in a dream. And if you'll take the time to study that in some other translations and see what he asked for, he asked for a hearing ear. And God answered him by giving him wisdom. Find that interesting. And he put all that together, you can come up with this idea. Knowledge is the fruit of study. I mean, I study thing backwards and forwards and gain knowledge. Right? Wisdom, I talk to the students about this all the time, wisdom 
is the relate is the fruit of a relationship. And Solomon is the prime example. He's the wisest fool ever wear a crown. When he when he began his, his rule, had that experience, supernatural experience with God, and asked for a hearing ear. God answered him by giving him wisdom. The Bible says that his heart was wholly, singularly devoted to God. And the nation mirrored his heart. Later in life, his heart was divided because of all the women. And the more his heart was drawn away from God, the stupider he got. As long as he walked in close relationship with the Father, he would walk in wisdom. But when he was not, when that relationship waned, wisdom waned. It won't be any different for you and I. And then for the purpose of what we're talking about, and I'm trying to get to here, understanding is the fruit of partnership. Partnership with who? The Holy Ghost. He's our partner. He's our helper. He's the one's going to help us navigate these seasons in life. Partnership. And so here, inheritance, advance, making advancements in the kingdom. Number one, inheritance. What I want you to see here, this correlates with sit. Sit, walk, stand. This, in, this correlates with sitting. Mark chapter 10, verse 15. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. As a little child. Receive the kingdom of God as a little child. Everybody say inheritance. Mark chapter 10, verse 15. An inheritance is free, is it not? I mean, somebody paid for it. Don't misunderstand me. I mean, there ain't no free lunches. I ain't stupid. But I mean, for the recipient of the inheritance, it's free. Right? Okay? I mean, if, it ain't, if, if, if it's not, it's not an inheritance. If I got to pay for it. Okay? Uh, somebody else paid the price. Or in the analogy there in Mark 10, the child does nothing but sit and receive. Hallelujah. Pass the biscuits. But then, as I mentioned this morning, then there's process. Number two, process. Mark chapter 4. Mark 4. Verse 30. 30 through 32. Mark 4, 30. And he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is, it is like a grain of mustard seed, 
which when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all the herbs, and shooteth out great branches, so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. Everybody say process. It takes time. Obedience to the laws of seed and time in order to get to harvest. It requires work. It requires co-laboring with God in order to, to, to reap, in order to make advancements in the kingdom and reap these types of promises. Are you with me? Then thirdly, we said it this morning, go to Matthew 11, advancements in the kingdom, obtaining promises, or thirdly are made, process there corresponds with walking, this is conquest, it corresponds with standing. Mark chapter 11, Mark cha- uh, Matthew, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11 verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Everybody say warfare. That has to do with fight. That has to do with enforcement of the enemy's defeat. has to do with an advancement into territory that is ours, once again, but occupied by the enemy. What's required here is not just cooperation, but courage. But here's the thing, all that to get me here. (laughs) You can't sit and receive as a child and fight to take ground at the same time. Yet, I know all three of these are true. And all three of these images that Paul presents me with, they're all so. And there's never a time when they ain't so. But yet, right on the other hand, I can't do all three at the same time. And so when you, when you begin to talk about making advancement and obtaining promises, I, I have to come back around to this idea of seasons. And there has to be seasons when I have to know which activity I'm to be involved in. And I just can't, like, flip a coin or roll dice to decide. i got to hear his voice. I can't judge by circumstances. i got to know. But here's the thing. As troubling as this seems to be, I think we've always known this. But I don't think we've always understood it. You know, I grew up in the Methodist church. You know, and we sang those hymns out of the Cokesbury. Where's my Methodist? Come on, thank you very much. You know, and, and I find that in our hymns, these truths were there. Seasonal. We sang songs like this. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, 
I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, you did and still. Did you catch that last few words? Yielded and still. What are we doing in that? Sitting. Who's doing who's doing something? He is. <laughs> then we sang this one around Easter time. <laughs> Pardon me for being off key and everything else. He lives. He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He does what? With who? That means I'm doing what? Thank you very much. And then, then, then I met Kim. And I started going to the assembly of God. I come over amongst the Pentecostals, as Brother Hagin used to say. And we started singing hymns out of the Redback. And if you want to test me on this, 120 is victory in Jesus. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> we sang this one. Songs like this. <laughs> you must fight. Be brave against all evil. Never run nor even lag behind. If you would win for God and the right, just keep on the firing line. What's that about? You better believe it, baby. <laughs> and Mr. Della Freeman, make sure you understood it. <laughs> you know, and my mind began to go to you know, things I, I knew in Scripture as I began to think about this. You know, I thought about the children of Israel, you know, and then, you know, most importantly, just going to that transition towards Israel and Joshua. You know, think of that wilderness provision, even in the waiting time, waiting on that older generation to pass off. I mean, you got manna and quail falling up out the sky. I mean, if there's any work involved in that, it's just go out there and pick it up. If I ain't sitting, I don't know what is. You know, and then, you know, all of a sudden, when it's time, there's a season change. And there comes orders from heaven to Joshua. Gather up everybody, get your stuff together. You're going over tomorrow. Boom. Talk about a season change. And they cross the Jordan. I mean, that requires some walking. <laughs> New season. And you know, even even then the then then when they go in, and it kind of becomes a dual thing there, but a definite season change, they they have to actually possess that land. I mean they didn't just cross the yard sudden everybody started waving a white flag, you know, and surrendering. Mm -mm. He said, Every place of soul of your foot treads, everything that you go and, and take that you can have. Oh, and, and so basically, little by little, God gave them the land as they possessed it. And there was something to that about 
about them having to fight to take it that gave them the ability to steward and keep it and protect it. But there were three distinct season changes there. And, I, you know, I'm sorry if this hurts your feelings, but, but you know, you just have to be honest about it. There's a major season change from being on a 40-year welfare program where God's raining down food out of heaven to when they crossed that Jordan and, he, and, and the Bible says they ate the produce of that land that first year. That means, buddy, they jacked, they had to get to work. No more welfare. Hmm? You can get up in the morning and go looking for, you know, stuff on the ground. You ain't going to be there no more. You know, I thought about Jesus, earthly ministry. You know, if you know anything about, you know, studying the Bible and any theological terms at all, you got three years of ministry. You got the year of inauguration. Everything's wonderful, and he pretty well, you know, accepted, you know. I mean, come on, he's making water out of wine. Who doesn't love that? Then the next, you know, he's getting started, and, and, you know, and then the year of popularity, and then the year of opposition. Sit, walk, stand. Then you look at Paul's ministry. I mean, he spends that time, you know, in the Arabian Desert, you know, where he got the revelation from Jesus. What's sitting, isn't it? And then, you know, he's down there. They got this uh, revival breaking out down there. And Barnabas goes, gets him, brings him to Antioch. And they start off on their first missionary journey. There's some walking. Walking some stuff out. But pretty quick after they start cycling around about the second time, it's standing. I mean, he's getting stoned. He's getting run out of town. and Now he's in jail. I see distinct seasons all through the Scriptures in these folks' lives. Are you with me? And if you think it's going to be any different for you and I, you, you, you're naive. You're deceived. I'll go you one further. Seasons and temptations. Go to Luke chapter 4. Luke 4. Luke 4. This is here at the temptation of Jesus. Notice Luke chapter 4, verse 13. Luke 4, 13. Notice this at the end. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a what? Forever? For a season. I want to submit to you that even when it comes to temptations, if you'd be honest... I ain't asking to confess to me, but if you be honest with yourself, there are certain temptations that you battle. You know good and well they come around at certain seasons, certain times in your life when you're dealing with certain thoughts, when you're tired, when, when this is not going right in your life. There's a, there's a particular season when there's a particular temptation you're more vulnerable to. Well, if you know that, be sensitive to his voice. 
sure up yourself in that area, especially in that season, so you can stand. Because every opportunity is not an equal opportunity. See, God's never playing catch up to the devil. But we can be if we don't discern the season and take advantage of it and act accordingly. I mean, if you think the devil didn't, you know, if you think the devil came around to Jesus seasonally, he's going to come around and bother you seasonally. So, Think of it. We've got fitting seasons in our life. We can think of We can identify them. I mean, life, life is fortified with all the raw materials that seems to enable us to, to walk and to stand. I mean, revelation of our position comes and, you know, added to us. You know, uh, truth that renews our minds is fresh. Then we have these walking seasons in our lives when, when truth has to be proven out. You know, uh, we gain strength to walk stuff out. His purposes are proven out. Then we have these standing seasons when temptations and attacks come. And it's in those times we must be fortified and strong. So we can stand. But we won't be if we've wasted time in previous seasons. Most failures in a standing season are rooted in wasted time in the sitting or the walking seasons. Here's another little side note. And I thank God for it. God will often partner you with somebody that's in a different season for a reason. Because that keeps you and I grounded. And it helps us learn what it means to rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. Helps us not forget that these other aspects of His nature are still true. And like I was talking about this morning, if we're in a fight, you know, sometimes it's good to have somebody remind me what my name is. And I'll go you one further. I believe, and I've experienced it, you can be in one season in one area of your life and another season in another area of your life. I mean, you, you can, your marriage can be heaven on earth. Be a sitting time, as it were. And, and everything on the job be going to hell. Be in the fight of your life at the same time. That's why we need to know these truths and be rooted and grounded in Him. Amen? I'm sorry, I just came to teach this weekend. That's all I know to do. Are you, you okay? I, I want to go a little bit further with this if I can. You know, it's kind of, the way I learn is tear stuff apart and put it back together. You know, I, I brought a, I brought our Briggs and Stratton engine to shop class when I was in high school. 
and took it apart, and I took it back home in a box. I figured out how it worked, but I never did get it back together. <laughs> but but I, this is, so I want to te- put terrace down and put it back together one more time. Is that all right? So think of it like this. You know, it's these seated in heavenly places seasons in life. I mean, don't we like those the best? Come on, tell the truth. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, it's those uh, kick back and relax and, 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 you know, drinking lemonade with Jesus seasons, you know. I mean, you know, finding Jesus on the beach in the salt life seasons. Come on. Jesus is at, at what's the name of that place we like next to the condo down there? Uh, Runaway Island. Yeah. Run, yeah. Found Jesus at Runaway Island. Yeah. Yeah, this place, no commercial break. <laughs> Speaking of Methodist, got this new restaurant opened up down there where we like to go up Panama City. And, and they had a feller singing down there last year. And I struck up a conversation with him, and he's a son of a Methodist preacher from South Georgia. I forgot his name, but his his daddy pastored little old Methodist churches all over down through here. And he traipsing all over down through South Georgia, and now he's singing on the beach. So, <laughs> yeah, hallelujah. Yeah, so anyway, I'll, anyway. Anyway, be seated with heavenly places. You know, Jesus experienced these two. You know, even in Psalms, you can just jot down a reference. It's interesting, you know, David, you know, as he would speak so prophetically, the things he would see and say. In Psalms 110, verse 1, he said this. And you know he's talking about the Lord Jesus. He says, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Well, who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. I said, boy, if I didn't have a seat in the heavenly place and season for the master, I don't know what is, you know. And then it reminds us also of David's words in Psalm 23, you know. He maketh me to lie down. Come on. Green pastures, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Don't we like that? And I wish the psalm ended there. But he goes somewhere to Death Valley. <laughs> right? <laughs> Hello. But it's in it's in those times, I mean, God teaches all of us about his love. He teaches us about his mercy. He teaches us about his grace. And in those seasons, I mean it's it's like an all about God season. H- have you experienced those? Man, and for me, when I'm in one of those times, it seems like if I try to make any great effort on my own, it messes everything up. Even in pastoring for years, you know, if we were experiencing growth and revival and God's moving, if I tried to get my hands on it and, and manage it, Tear it up, mess it up. You know, if I just, you know, get my keep my keep my mind on preaching the word, loving God, and loving people, and let let God do His thing. Everything, I mean, everything's going good. I mean, these times, these seasons we go through in God that are like that. You know, we're supposed to learn how to rest. Supposed to learn how to rest. Aren't you glad 
Because if we keep the, pe- keep the pedal to the metal, come on, keep our foot in the firewall 24-7, 365 days out of the year, you'll wear out and burn out. We'll throw you on the junk heap of life. Put up a little white cross and salute and move on. No, God wants us to rest, so even in Him, there's these seasons. We learn how to trust. I mean trust Him with everything. And when we find ourselves in those seasons, I mean terms like warfare, (laughs) uh, weapons, struggle, battle, they're irrelevant, foreign to us. But it's in these seasons we're rooted. We learn who we are in Him. And we learn what it means to live inside out. Because it's only when we learn to live from the inside out that, and not from the outside in that we're actually really free to experience the seasons. We have to know that the kingdom of God within us is more powerful than the kingdom around us. I mean, Jesus is the perfect example. When he's on that boat with them boys, and that storm come up, and he's asleep. Let me think about it. He ain't in no luxury liner. I mean, you know. Them boats is little. And he's talking about water coming in and they afraid they're going to sink. I mean, you talk about some serious uh, seated with Christ in heavenly places season. you got Jesus sloshing around in the bottom of the boat in the water and he's asleep and he ain't being bothered. And he finally, finally managed to wake him up and what does he do? He steps to the bow of that boat and all he does is release on that storm what's on the inside of him. Step up and say, Hush! Because there's a a kingdom culture. There's a a quietness down on the inside of here. There's a peace residing down on the inside of him that's way stronger than that storm. Now, I like to say it this way, you know, what reigns on the inside, (laughs) R-E-I-G-E-N-S. Rains on the outside. Some of us would like to, you know, pig pen in the in the peanuts cartoon. You know, you got a little cloud falling. Say so what? <laughs> we have to re- re- be reminded we're dual citizens of both heaven and earth. And the question always is, do we live from earth towards heaven or from heaven towards earth in our perspective? But when our heavenly seat is just a distant promise, we live in defense mode all the time. When our entire prayer life Motivated by the negative circumstances around us. 
That's a symptom of our seating arrangement. Because earthly seating creates reactionary praying. Heavenly seating creates proactive praying. So when we learn to take our rightful place, seated with Christ in heavenly places, we live powerfully, we live offensively, and relatively peacefully. And the kingdom that's within us starts to direct the world around us so that we're no longer victims but victors. Amen? It's in these seated, it's all about God's seasons that we learn to live this out in reality. But then, if we have to be honest, and sometimes, I don't think it has to be this way all the time, but I, I think it, it is a truth that can't be ignored. And some of these happen sometimes as we mature in God. Some of these season changes. Number two, we begin to, to walk in the high call of God's seasons of life. You think about Paul once again here. Let your mind go back to him as he was writing Ephesians and getting these things over to him and just over to us. And just I have to consider him with his feet not free to go perhaps where he would like to go in prison. Perhaps. His mind began to drift to Old Testament scriptures that he would have known being a good student of the Old, Old Testament. Scriptures like Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 19. The Lord is my strength. and He will make my feet like hinds feet. He will make me to walk upon my high places. And just imagine Paul thinking of things like that while his feet are fettered, maybe. At least his movement's restricted. But walking seasons are marked by you and I co-laboring with God. Co-laboring with His plans and His purposes and His principles. So that we can actually bear fruit out of our life. Isn't that exciting? Even if there is some work involved in it. The winds of change have shifted the season again, and it's time for a different attribute. God's nature to be lived out through us. You know, Paul mentions it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. He says, for we are laborers together with God. Laborers together with God. Second Corinthians 6, 1, he says, We then as workers together with Him. Workers together and laborers together 
with God. That's not, that means I'm not sitting and watching Him. I'm doing something now. Look, go to Exodus chapter 14 real quick. Exodus 14. Another one of those think, places we think we know the Scriptures so well. And we read right by what's happening here and it's almost comical. Exodus chapter 14 verse 13. It's a good example of a swift season change. Exodus 14. And Moses, see they're fixing, you know, across the Red Sea, you know, coming out of Egypt. Exodus 14, verse 13, beginning. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he shall show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore Christ thou unto me, speaking to the children of Israel, that they go forward. <laughs> I mean, Moses is standing there telling the children of Israel to stand, and basically what he's saying is to sit, in essence, you know. In other words, do nothing is the analogy, you know. And God says, basically, quit you whining, quit talking to me, tell them to get up and start walking. <laughs> I mean, that quick, the season has changed, and Moses is a little slow on the uptake. <laughs> Here again, I'm talking about living by his voice. See, these are times in our lives when God absolutely, it seems, refuses to do anything for us unless He can do it with us. So, it screams at me not to get stuck. Are these other truths now all of a sudden not no longer true? No, they're equally as true. But right now... God's emphasizing this part of His nature through me. And I need to partner with it if I want to flow and go and be a success and not be a frustrated little cat. I mean, you know, we're lying in green pastures. We're still waters. We're soothing our soul. And God says, What you doing? Get up and start walking. Go through Death Valley and then climb that mountain. And we want to scream back at God, Hey God, what's with the attitude? <laughs> now these walking seasons, if we'll partner with God, can be the most exciting times. Powerful things happen. When we co-labor with God. Think of those disciples. I mean, it's a wonderful thing to sit around and watch Jesus do miracles. But when think of, you know, when He told them to serve the people on the hill that day. Do you realize where the miracle happened? In their hands. He didn't just sit back and watch Jesus do that. 
he blessed it and break it and gave it to the boys, and then the boys served it out. And, and as they began to serve the people, it just kept coming. And it's happening in their hands because they're, they obeyed his word and co-labored with him in the process. Oh, you can't do that just sitting and watching. I mean, these, this, these are actually the fruit-bearing times in our life. I mean, all sorts of wonderful stuff can start to happen when we keep putting one foot in front of the other and keep in sync and keep in step with Him. Amen? And then, you know, the seasons change again and we find, mess around and find ourselves in a standing season. And when you think about, you know, you know, I can even call it this, standing in the presence of our enemies' seasons. <laughs> Got a real nice fuzzy ring to it. Think about the apostles. I mean, they were masters in prison breaks. I mean, you know, Acts 12, you got Peter over there. You got an angel showing up, having poke him inside, wake him up, and walks him out. I mean, you know, prison. And he's plumb outside the gate before he finally dawns on him. This is not a dream. This is actually happening. And then, you know, Paul, Acts 16, I mean, you know, made the jailhouse rock long before Elvis. Out to come, you know, him and Silas. But now, not this time. It's a different season. Paul's having to stand. For what he believes, he, he's having to remind himself of who he is in Christ because it ain't such a fun time where he's at right now in Rome. Probably having to remind himself that he wanted to go before Caesar. <laughs> huh? He's having to stand. I mean, God quit loving you just because you're going through a tough time? Mm-mm. You're in a season right now where you need to stand. What you, if you'll stand, you'll find he's standing right there with you. I mean, imagine Paul. Imagine him as a prisoner. And I can just imagine him staring at the Roman soldiers that might be guarding him. And I can imagine him looking at their equipment. And it's probably in that moment that the Holy Spirit started to reveal something to Paul, and probably that's when I can imagine him writing that sixth chapter where he goes into, and we read it this morning, we won't go back over it for a second time tonight, but that's where he begins to unfold all of those different pieces of that armor. I can just imagine him not just doing that, just but doing that, sitting there looking at a soldier that's gardening. And as he's doing that, the Holy Spirit is revealing to him revelation. About that weaponry and how it correlates to spiritual truths and reminding him right in the midst of that situation where he's at, you know, Paul, you're not alone. Put on your armor. Just like that soldier's got on all that stuff, you got some stuff. This spiritual season for Paul has changed again, and Paul's not talking to us about sitting in heavenly places. Chapter 6, he's not talking to us about walking out the high call of God. 
He's exhorting us to stand and to stand firm. He says when you've done all to stand, stand and keep standing. I mean, these are perilous times that Paul's warning us about. Times when we have to hold our ground and any advancement that we make at all is only made if we fight. Well, Brother Tony, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Yeah, right. You just push your, let me just push the wrong buttons. I'll find out. Now, these days in our lives, and we all go, we've all been in them, haven't we? When it's, when it's war, days of warfare. When truth, really, if we'd be honest, we don't, want to, we don't want to say it, but really, it seems like truth is a fairy tale. Huh? And our life looks like a horror story. But we ain't moved by that, are we? And the final verses that conclude the book of Ephesians stand in stark contrast to the victorious opening, if we'll be honest about it. But I appreciate the fact that Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives us that full orb. Not some twinkle, twinkle, little star, you know, fairy tale version of something. But in six short chapters, Paul has taken us from sitting with Christ on his throne while using the enemy as a footstool uh, uh, to, to walking, uh, you know, with God in the high call to a no-hose-barred, you know, fight with the devil. And he's right up in our business, and he's trying to destroy us. And these seasons that we see in Jesus' life, he, he experienced them and we will too. We all love this seated seasons. And we even may enjoy a good walk down Destiny Lane in the co-laboring, fruit-bearing seasons. But most of us don't like the wrestling match. Of the standing seasons, do we? But I had the Lord give me these two little psalms about this. And the good news is, if we stay in step, if we stay in sync, His Word is true, we will not sink. Though the seasons may change, though the wind may blow, this I do know. His purposes remain. <laughs> His goodness is the same. Though the storms threaten our mooring, His mercy is new every morning. Amen. None of us are immune to the enemy's attacks, but none of us are so weak. We can't push him back. But a failure to prepare and a failure to sit and a failure to walk with our Lord leaves us vulnerable 
and it leaves us weak when the enemy's at the door. So, preparation is our job. Protection is his job. Amen? I'm going to navigate well. What about you? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truths that enrich us. Thank you you didn't just leave us to wander through the through life and to try to stumble through as folk that are natural, just with our senses. But you gave us your word and you gave us your spirit to navigate these seasons and these times. And so, Father, I thank you for helping us in this arena. Father, I thank you this people has ears to hear these truths they'll walk out bold and clear in Jesus' name.